0: listening to episode 295 of sci-fi tv rewatch my name's dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we begin our journey with the magicians and its first season but uh wouldn't want to go any further in this podcast before acknowledging how much fun you and i had last week with fred on
1: yeah that was really cool uh you know the the podcast totally went international and uh it was good it was fun great uh, fred's a great guy to talk to
0: Oh, my God. But, you know, I, again, what strikes me every time Fred sends sends in his feedback and, and having him on live where he was talking off the cuff. I mean, I'm sure he had some notes, but oh, my God, I'm so jealous of somebody that can actually function in another language other than their their base language. And for, for Fred, it's uh, I think actually I think I heard him tell us one time that there's actually a third language that he's relatively proficient with.
1: Yeah, as Americans, we are pathetic. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we don't, we we only speak English. Uh, There's a tremendous amount of Spanish speakers in this country, but, uh, you know, somehow we can't really bother to learn that language either, really. Um, You know, most students take like two years, like all you have to do in America, you only have to take two years of any kind of language other than English. Right, which is just sad, you know. At the end of that, you're you're not even literate, you know. No, at the not end even of that close. Two years. Yeah. Right.
0: So, all right. Well, before we get into the magicians and you know some of our tips of the week, we've made some subtle changes with our Patreon account. I don't think I even told you this, but. They're subtle and you'll see what I mean. And the rewards that we're offering our patrons. So what we've done is changed it to if you are a sci-fi TV rewatch supporter at a dollar a month, we'll cover any episode of any genre show that you choose. At the film critic patron level, which is $3 a month, we'll cover any genre film of your choice. And at the foundation level, which is $5 a month, we'll produce and publish a podcast covering the genre show episode of your choice or the genre film of your choice and additionally we'll produce and publish a podcast that explores any top 10 list related to genre television so fred uh, you're certainly a longtime patron and and you know you've your your account is still good you
1: you, you could still have us do something else for you right. if and, you do 10 bucks a month uh, we'll come over and we'll wash and wax your car man somebody needs to do that to my car but yeah anyway <laughs> uh,
0: um and again as always we appreciate those of you that that are patrons and figuring you know these rewards you know every calendar year so if you're with us more than a year uh, you know we'll do it for you again so all right um if you'd like to contact us with some episode feedback questions you can do so via email at at Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week and send us the MP3 as an attachment. Above all, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Now, tip of the week, I've got one that I think I might have used. I don't know how long we've been doing tip of the week, but uh, I'll go ahead and go first this time. Okay. The OA season two. And the first thing I thought, did you and I cover I the first did. episode
1: of the OA? We did, uh, we did the. Fir- did we do the first episode or did we talk about the whole first season? I-, I feel like we talked about the whole first season, but just in like one episode though. Okay. Maybe? Or maybe we just okay. did the first episode. All right. So
0: you saw the whole first season. Yeah. Have you seen the whole second season?
1: No, because I have to go back and watch season one again. All right.
0: Well, <laughs> what I did was, Before I just I, watched... Uh, I just watched the last episode of season one again. For those of you that Mm -hmm. haven't seen the OA at all, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but if you like WTF endings, then this is the show for you. Uh, It's uh, a wonderful blend of science fiction and supernatural, but really at its core, the relationships and bonds that the characters form with each other. It's on Netflix. Each of its two seasons runs eight episodes. And one of the things I like is that they're different lengths early in the season they're like an hour and 10 minutes i think in a lot of cases and then as we move <laughs> into the latter stages they they get down into the high 40s 50 minutes but uh, oh my god if if you thought season 1's finale was a wtf all i got to say is wait till you get to to season 2 and i don't really want to give too much away but the basic core of the story from season one is that this young woman returns after having been gone for seven years. And one of the kickers is that when she disappeared, she was blind. Now she can see. And at the core is this big mystery. She assembles this group of teenagers and adult, and she basically tells them her story which she refuses to tell to anybody else so it's on netflix both seasons the oa Uh, give it more than one episode if you didn't see season one don't quit after one don't say "Ah, i'm not sure this is for me try to keep going so all right what do you got
1: so um i this is not genre in any way shape or form but uh i just absolutely loved and uh, you know we talked about it after the show uh the dirt on netflix the movie about yeah, and, motley crew
0: right and i didn't know about it until you alerted me to it and i and i did watch it as well
1: yeah uh it was pretty awesome um definitely not anything you could watch with I uh, pretty probably anyone <laughs> 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 you know, uh, Motley Crue is an entity in and of itself, uh, you know, they were huge when I was in high school, I actually didn't really become a crew fan until probably like college when they released the uh, Dr. Feelgood album uh, and everything and then I kind of went back and rediscovered, you know, when, when I was in high school they were, the, the kids who, like, the bad kids listened to Motley Crue, you know. Um, you know, the kids who like, like literally smoked in the boys room and everything with the guys in the crew. Uh, but then I got into college and then I thought they were pretty awesome. So it is a wild, wild movie. A lot, I, you know, definitely the people who made this one definitely saw 24 hour party people because there are some base, big rip offs of that movie. So it's not like a a movie like that's going to like, you know, really make you ponder life. You're not going to come away admiring the cinematography or the direction or the script or the acting for that matter, um, but the uh, just the story itself of, of Motley Crue and, and I love biopics. You know, I, I love the especially performance aspects of, of uh, you know semi historically fictional you know uh, band biopics. So it was cool. Yeah. Now, it wasn't really
0: what I expected, and I don't remember how you described it at at the end of our discussion last week. I I guess I thought it was going to be more documentary style, and it took me a little bit to get used to the actors playing the different members of the band. But, you know, 10, 12 minutes in, you're really hooked, and and they really did a great job. And and, and as you said, you got to watch it alone. My wife came in the room when I was watching it. And can you turn that off? No, yeah. I don't think she said that, but she said something that you know yeah, I got the message to watch it on my laptop with earbuds, so
1: <laughs> yeah, which is what i did yeah well, yeah, so I thought too, and I said, uh I thought it was a documentary, you know, so um when I saw right from the start that you know it was not it that it was you know, a biopic. I was like, "Oh, that, that's even
0: better!" You know, so. right? And and I did a little bit of reading. I don't know if you did, but the members of the band are really on board with how this turned out.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they wrote the book that the movie is based on. and I think they um, had a lot to do. I know um, the guy who played Tommy Lee. You know, they actually he you know, especially him worked really hard to do his own drumming in the movie and to learn to you know you know move and and drum like tommy lee yeah uh, that's no small cool. feat nah no and then the guy who played mick mars i don't know if did you recognize him Did you look him up later to see who it was i i didn't he played uh a Ramsey's uh the bastard in game of thrones oh uh, Ramsey bolton of course of course so uh but you know like I, I like i just look i'm like i know who is it? who is you yeah, uh, know ultimately i had to look it up but yeah that's pretty cool so um yeah I, you know i i knocked the acting but the acting is actually i thought was was pretty good it's just you know there's not just a, a spectacular amount of depth to motley Crue, except the, the the as they explored the the depth of excess especially you know Nikki six's journey especially his kind of his dealing with uh with his drug addiction and everything that um, I did know "Kickstart My Heart" was he writ- wrote that song after that uh, where he nearly died and then in the ambulance. That scene, that 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 was no BS. That that literally happened. He almost he w- actually he did die for a little bit. He was uh, resuscitated and then he went uh, went and wrote uh, "Kickstart My Heart," which is a great song. Cool. So
0: all right, well we'll go ahead and leave it there and jump into what's going to occupy the next 13 weeks of our podcast which is season one of the magicians the episode we're going to talk about is titled unauthorized magic and it was written by sarah gamble and john mcnamara now sarah gamble and john mcnamara are the creators of the magicians as well as the showrunners, and it's based on Lev Grossman's novel of the same name. But what I didn't realize, uh, Sarah Gamble and and Michael and I interviewed her probably about a year ago. Oh yeah. And off the off to dig up the link for that. I can't remember if John McNamara was in on the call or not. But but she wrote twenty six episodes of Supernatural. And okay, he, I thought that seemed so familiar. And, and he's been uh, associated with the show Aquarius with David Duchovny, which is kind of a, a crime drama show and also lois and clark new adventures of superman oh, directed by yeah, yeah yeah directed by mike cahill who did the first episode of night flyers which was a show that i watched the first couple episodes but didn't really get into it and then a movie called another earth that i think i've mentioned at some point i don't remember the context but
1: i, I think we one, did talk i can't remember if we talked about it on air or not but i remember yeah. you telling me about that
0: Yeah, but uh, this one aired as a special preview December 16th, 2015, and then on January 25th, 2016, along with episode 102. So uh, any first impressions for you?
1: Well, my first impression was not necessarily super positive because it just seemed like it was borrowing from a lot of other similar type you know literature movies tv shows whatever you know specifically obviously the harry potter but also from the chronicles of narnia and i'm just like this just seems very derivative to start but things took a big turn at the end there
0: yeah and i think you and i have said many times during during the closest seven years we've been doing this podcast that You can't judge a series by its pilot. I mean, it has to draw you in enough that you make it to episode two, which obviously we're going to do. But I also can't tell you how many people have told me once they found out we were doing The Magicians. Oh, season one's not as good as the rest of them. Well, okay and that may be true but it it certainly was good enough that the show has gotten seasons two three currently it's in its fourth and it's been renewed for a fifth so
1: right they're doing something right they must be doing something right but yeah well you can see that though like especially if you're just doing 13 episodes that you know that the story doesn't necessarily really kick in until you know whatever until you know the end of season one obviously i don't think the showrunners like were thinking like that i don't think they're like well you know we could be writing better but let's just save the really good stuff for season two you know they obviously are putting their all into it but uh you know it that's not unusual but we've also said that nowadays you can't really afford to have a slow start to your first you know usually we, we try to be a little bit uh, more lenient about our discussion of very first episodes because there's so much exposition that has to happen. Um, so much just basic world building, especially with a show like this, that um you know they they can't really they don't really usually get into like the big conflicts or anything like that. Um, but nowadays, with you know how you know television operates, you know, especially with Netflix where you you have to get everyone. Watching episode two right after episode one ends in order to get another season, you know like uh you know you you almost can't afford to have a slow start or or develop a story meticulously rather than bang bang right away
0: right, and I'd say for me overall i I really liked it, um not ready to give it an a, but it, it it's certainly a solid b in every. i've been told it's going to keep getting better as we as we go along but in this day and age because this is a show that seems to be about the study of and control of magic but it's clearly different again based on the first episode it's clearly different from the librarians who are tasked to collect catalog and safeguard magic as opposed to a show called The Order,
1: I, I think you said
0: you've seen it, right?
1: No, no. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I, I, just, I saw the, like, the, I watched the trailer for it, but I haven't actually watched it yet.
0: Okay, and it's pretty good. I'm, I am I think, five episodes in. But there, it's to learn to use and control magic, and they are at Belgrave University. So, like the magicians, they are college-age kids, while they're actually, like, 27- and 28-year-olds playing 18- and 19-year-olds. right. <laughs> uh but then of course we've got shows like uh Sabrina charmed once upon a time that that really do focus on spells and magic and, and and a lot of these shows though there there's some goal that they're after whether to take somebody down or put somebody in control or whatever so there's a lot of competition on the market and i haven't even mentioned something that's i know near and dear to your heart and that's of course harry potter so uh, there's a lot to compare it to which is kind of i think your point at the beginning of your uh, assessment
1: yeah and it's just like ever since harry potter came out like all of a sudden there's this explosion of especially like uh you know young adult literature of Young people who of uncertain parentage, who suddenly discover that they have special magical abilities, so they go away to this magical place, and you know it's just like,, uh, you know, after a while, you're just like, ah, it's, it's you know, just let's let's get something original here. So that was like my big problem with pretty much the first half of this is I'm basically like, this is literally Harry Potter with people smoking and having sex is like right. the only difference.
0: Right, but then of course it does bring in the chronicles of narnia because they yes. do get to walk into a grandfather's clock
1: or Right, right. Like and right and they walk to the magical world and there like, you know, people the of that world talk to him and everything. So Right. Yeah, but it's still all just you know, again, it's like not that didn't endear it any more to me that they were Knocking off of the Chronicles of Narnia as well as Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you know that just seemed at first to me. I was just like that only made it even less original. They okay, but just well, that they multiplied the amount of works that they copied off of. Okay, all right. Well, let's go ahead and break it
0: down, and, and we'll see if your mind changes. I get the sense that it's probably
1: not going to well, change too much. Well, no, no, but- no, 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 no. That was just for the the first like half. Okay it started to get me started to grab me as we got more towards the end okay
0: now the first scene that we're presented with is this guy who we later learn is dean fogg played by rick worthy really one of the only actors in this series that's got uh, you know a, a substantial imdb resume he he was in battlestar galactica man in the high castle Supernatural vampire Diaries where he's and and not just one episode but but you know anywhere from six seven on up. but we see Dean Fogg walk through this street door, and right away we understand that he's coming from another world, you know the, mm-hmm. all those splashes of color, and he meets a woman on the park bench she tells him that something started and he needs to get his students up to speed to combat said crisis. And that there's apparently one male student that at this point is unnamed, but of course it turns out to be uh Quentin and he is the key. So the episode is framed by this coming crisis in the world of magic. And then we get to the end and, and <laughs> what'd you think of that? You know, we talk about Fred and, and, Teaching and and us talking about you know our experience as teachers. Oh my god, what a boring lecture on metals that guy was (laughs) giving. But that's at the end of the episode. The clock strikes noon and the dean senses something's amiss, goes running to the classroom, and then out of the mirror steps this figure in a gray suit whose face is obscured by swarming moths or something is well is that what they were so i don't know what they were like really big bugs but but they certainly portend evil oh yeah there were yeah yeah and the first thing i thought of at this scene is to go back to when quentin and alice are performing their cell uh, their spell in uh, God was it? I don't know if it was uh, the classroom or Dean Fogg's office. I forget where. And, and then of course, uh, Penny and, and Katie come along as well. But it seemed as if their at that point their spell was supposed to uh, take place at twelve midnight. And I started thinking like, all right, did they just have the twelve o'clocks mixed up? And is now everything that they had hoped to do, which was to communicate with somebody from the other side. Is this Alice's brother that's now in the classroom with all these moths flying around his head? Right. Or we hear t- uh, tell of the beast. Right. And that's, that's pretty much all we know. We don't know who, what that is. So I don't know. Any thoughts on who this
1: moth mothman is? um you basically said my two ideas or you know either he's the beast excuse me or alice's brother or maybe you know those two things are one and the same
0: all right so you know at this point the dean rushes in and then the figure plucks out his eyeballs sets him on the table and we're left at the end of the episode wondering whether dean fogg is dead Uh, given uh, who this character is, I think we can pretty much assume that he's not dead, but uh, not to go too far off track, uh, I watched an episode of this show called Tidelands, which has a kind of supernatural fantasy feel to it. I've only seen the first episode, but somebody got their eyeballs plucked out there as well. My wife's watching, she watched the magicians with me. What's with all the eyeball plucking out? (laughs) So.
1: Right, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's definitely a symbolic thing going on there. I mean, what it symbolizes at this point, we really don't know. But, um, but yeah, that's harsh.
0: Okay. Now, the other main story arc in this episode is, of course, the journey of Quentin Coldwater. I don't know how I feel about Quentin. Oh, I like Quentin. He, he's. Go ahead. No, I, I guess there's something. I don't. That kind of whiny, I don't know. And <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm angsty and yeah. uh, I just want to listen to The Cure in my bedroom oh. and re- read fantasy novels. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. I like him. And by the end of the episode, I'm, I'm certainly buying into Quentin Coldwater, played by Jason Ralph, who, again, I didn't see much that I recognized in his yeah, no. uh, resume. But
1: well, Quentin, I think, is what you see a lot of shows also doing is to they, and Fred speaks to this a little bit, like of you know, purposefully nerdifying a character because I think, I assume that they're trying to, you know, get basically the audience that's watching it to relate, you know, like they're, I think that they're thinking, um, we probably have a bunch of people, the people who watch this show are the people who also, are kind of into fantasy novels, and I, I, I'm not going with the cure there. I'm not feeling that part, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, like they, you know, they they make the, him a nerd because you know they think well, you know, the kind of not am saying the people who watch the magicians are nerds, but that you know probably a lot of people who in, are get into genre and everything are there's probably a fair amount that you know like maybe at some point felt outside of the accepted type of people in like high school or middle school or whatever. Um, and so, you know, the people who can relate to, I mean, I can relate to, um, kind of retreating to your room and, you know, reading and, uh, you know, stuff like that as a way to kind of deal with like maybe the, you know, the world outside, not so kind a hundred percent of the time, you know? So, Right. All right. So basically, you're saying that our nerd quotient is on the high side. Yeah,
0: okay. at least for me. Okay. Now I forget who it is that that says to Quentin, "You're not crazy. You're just alone and angry." I think it's Dean Fogg, Maybe. Yeah, Dean Fogg, Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 I guess that really encapsulates what you just said about you know a, a lot of people that do like. Genre And and certainly we get that scene where he's in his bedroom and we get the camera shot of his bookcase. And and in addition to the fillery series of books that's clearly there, uh, he's got all sorts of books on magic and fantasy and things like that. So, So I don't know if we want to use the word obsessed at that point, but for a guy that's 21, 22, about to enter graduate school at Yale um you know and and i guess that's julia's point when when she enters the scene but we do see that he's committed himself i guess just over the weekend to a mental health facility and not sure exactly what that's all about again he's a little angsty but i mean he seems to be doing okay and I, I I did love the way they did a lot of things that uh, oh I bet you're the life of the party and then they just show him sitting you know in a yeah. chair with a beer cup everybody else is going nuts around him and he's just you well, know, he's, he's got
1: that. a girl who's a very attractive girl who's you know making overtures towards him and he's you know not with it so you know that's uh, that, that's where the um, when when the uh, obsession with uh fantasy and and uh stuff like that starts getting in the way of you know talking to a hot girl that that's that 's where that 's where the line must be drawn right now he 's reading a book in in fact the
0: first book in the series about a land called fillery and the Chatwin siblings who travel there and he tells julie he 's about to sell it on ebay i I guess first edition or whatever we mentioned you enter fillery through a grandfather's clock but one of the things that comes out in this episode is again unless i missed more clues i don't know what the hell's going on where does fillery really exist is this in his mind is he really traveling there, the way we saw Dean Fogg travel from you know, wherever he was to... You
1: know, right, guess. exactly. We saw Dean Fogg leave a place that kind of looks like Fillery, right? It was a, definitely a pastoral-type place behind him when he, you know, walks from there into New York City. So I wouldn't be surprised if that, that was the same place. Um, no, I don't think you missed anything. I, at, at this point, you really... Have no idea what it's all about. It seems like it could potentially just be in Quentin's head, but also it doesn't kind of seem like that because you know, like these these people in, in his in his visions, I guess, whatever we call them, uh, are telling him some very specific things. You know,
0: all right. So we, we basically got the real world we've got fillery which we get a little bit of a taste with jane and then i assume that dean fogg came from break bills when he comes through that door that's what i guess i assume Oh, so yeah that, that probably
1: makes more sense right
0: so the, so that we're basically operating with with those three settings now I, i've mentioned julia a couple of times and you know there's a party going on at his place and he retreats to his bedroom he's reading the book and she comes in, lies on the bed next to him. She's played by Stella Maeve, who played Sandy West in the Runaways with, wait for it, Kristen Stewart.
1: <laughs> Do you who did Kristen Stewart? I have, to, I have to see that movie. I still have yet to. see You that
0: haven't movie. seen the Runaways? I
1: know, I know, I know. Well, you haven't seen wow. Deadpool, so I know. I I, I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she no, plays I know Jet. I, oh, she okay. Uh, that's that's maybe why I haven't seen it. But um, right. But yeah, that, I yeah. know, I know the Runaways is a movie that I should definitely have seen ages ago. And I'm extremely, yeah. You know, I, like I said, I, I claim to be a lover of the biopic, and yet mm-hmm. I haven't seen, you know, probably what is a lot of people consider one of the best of the musical yeah, biopics. Really. So. Yep.
0: so you know, she comes in, lies on his bed. She's obviously very attractive. But we, we learn right away, and, and again, one of the things that comes across in this episode is the relationship that these two have. They're clearly close, but there doesn't seem to be any romantic qualities to their relationship. Don't well, know. If that's I, I wouldn't change. say
1: any. You know, I think there's some subtext there. Yeah. Okay. But certainly, they're you know just just buds. You know, they're just right. friends. They've been friends for a long time it's it's hard to miss the implications of you know sexual attraction there when she you know you know not only gets in bed with him but kind of snuggles next to him as well that's a little bit more than friendship it seems okay you
0: know. and and before we go further again if you're new to the podcast Wayne and I have not seen the magician so i, I have not seen episode 2 yet i don't know if you yeah. have or not no
1: i haven't either so yeah this is genuine we don't know where this one's going exactly
0: now we do know though that julia goes with him the next day for his grad school interview and once they go in he immediately notices a grandfather's clock that looks like exactly like the one in the story she screams and there's a dead guy in a stuffed chair in the same room and uh, you can't help but notice that one of the EMTs is the woman that Dean Fogg meets in the opening scene. So of course we we know okay, there's something going on here. And if yeah, her her, giving... uh,
1: her uniform is way too well cut and attractive for any <laughs> EMTs yes. uniform, and,
0: and then when she gives Quentin the envelope, I think this is meant for you. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> if there was anything that was going to get him to give up his obsession with Fillery that's going to stop because she gives him supposedly the manuscript for the sixth book in the series that has only been rumored on chat rooms and websites and things like that and okay you know again that said part of what we learn there is that he and julia have been friends for a long time dating back to high school so so they've clearly been in college together for four years apparently they knew each other in high school we don't know how far back she too was a fan of the book series but tells him she's you know sort of grown out of it but obviously right. one of the questions we have to ask is whether or not the manuscript is real but i mean man by the time we get to the end of the episode it's like well what the hell's real i mean yeah yeah so it just serves to no, those add eyeballs confusion. Seem pretty real <laughs> they did they did now um we've been talking about the land of fillory and it appears to be a dream i mean the q finds himself talking to jane chatwin who tells him the beast is after him and he needs to prepare
1: right okay and, so and, so this is what makes me think that it's not like his head because like what does he know about the beast you know like it ha- that that has to come from somewhere and, and i don't think it comes from his an imagination because he doesn't know what the beast is right i mean unless the beast is part
0: of the novel series which doesn't seem to be the case with with the little bit of information we're given I, i would agree but because we see quentin alternate between a waking state uh, a dream state you know we're we're watching something through his eyes and all of a sudden he wakes up and he's on his bed so did he dream it is it a vision and, and again that's part of the fun of trying to figure out what's going on here
1: sure sure
0: so the other thing that of course is going on here is in addition to watching quentin's journey is this whole journey to break bills university which You know, I mentioned Belgrave University in uh, The Order. And then, of course, there's, uh, what's the place in Harry Potter? (laughs) Uh, Hogwarts. Hogwarts. (laughs) And I think, again, I think Fred makes a reference to that in his feedback as well. But Quentin's walking, looking at the pages of the supposed sixth book in the series. One of them blows away, and he starts chasing it. And I'm thinking, like, this is right out of the librarians. This is definitely something we'd see yeah. Flynn doing chasing an object like that and maybe any of the younger librarians too but i definitely got a flynn feel to that scene
1: yeah absolutely and you know that's actually a, a good comparison as well because there are you know um some similarities to the librarians though i think overall the the overall mood of the magicians is much more somber much more serious and dark than you know that much lighter uh, mood that the librarians projected
0: okay um so at this point the page basically takes him to break bills and he's going down this dark alley and all of a sudden he's on what appears to be this beautiful college campus meanwhile julia's gone to meet her boyfriend but the elevator won't let her off at the correct floor next thing you know she finds herself on a floor in an unfamiliar building and a sign that says exam this way and and of course she follows it so they both find themselves at break bills university he first meets elliot who tells him they're in upstate new york and i'm thinking like all right wayne's gonna like that yeah oh, absolutely right? Yeah. right isn't that yeah. where you went to college yeah, yeah well okay. buffalo
1: which is yeah kind of western new york but
0: oh okay. yeah So we're in an exam room, I don't know, 90 or so students, including Julia, but the two of them don't know the other is there. And Dean Fogg, who, again, we still at this point don't know exactly who he is. He's proctoring the exam. And and we watch Quentin. and, And again, as teachers, you have to love this. He's looking at his exam. And all of a sudden, the printing changes on his exam. So what's he do? looks at the guy next to him yeah (laughs) yeah i'm just checking to see if you have the right answers i know mine are good (laughs) but uh now he gets into he he passes that first stage so then he's asked to perform magic by the dean and i think there are three or four other professors there and and he at first resorts to card tricks and as i'm taking my notes i'm thinking like all right I'm going to say this, and Wayne's going to be thinking, ah, oh, crap, I wanted to use that at the end, but.
1: No, 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 go ahead. I know what you no. Go ahead. I got a different ones. Quit one, dicking
0: so. around and do some goddamn magic. Yeah. <laughs> T- yeah, what tough love, line. man. It worked, though. Well, it does. and And again, that's maybe trope-like in that somebody's latent powers don't manifest themselves until there's some sort of, crisis or stress related event and and that they just come out and and it happens with Julia we'll talk about her in a few minutes and it certainly happens here and
1: man that that was a cool scene with the cards that's for sure. That was very cool yeah. That's why I started to warm up to the show a little bit more because up to this point well even a little bit after but like I said the whole Harry Potter Chronicles of Narnia I was just like eh but you know once he does the you know makes the cards and forms them into i guess like a castle or something versailles i don't know um mm-hmm. you know now it's it seems to change a little bit here right and that's the point where the dean offers him
0: a, a a spot in the three-year program designed to learn and control magic but there doesn't really seem to be a purpose as i was saying at the top of the discussion and he makes some sort of offhand flippant comment, and the dean says, you want to take over the world? Well, we don't teach that, but give it a go.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, basically, yeah, like he says, we don't we don't teach you what to, you know, we just teach you how to use the magic, you know, and then what you do with it is up to you. Want to go try to take over the world? Knock yourself out, you know. Um, it's just kind of a funny, like you said, flippant. There's another good line there, because um, Dean Fogg mentions how the, uh, the guy who he uh, uh, Quentin was supposed to meet had died because of Oreos, and so Quentin goes, magicians can't have Oreos? And he <laughs> goes, no, diabetics can't have Oreos. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some really good lines. There's no yeah. question.
0: Um, Quentin meets his roommate, uh, who turns out to be Penny, and, and for some of the characters, I think we – do hear somebody call him penny later in the episode but, but the girl i don't know what his
1: name was at all i just kept okay. i had to keep referring to him as quentin's roommate okay well i think i
0: think the girl that he's having sex with calls him penny and uh, one okay. of the things again i don't know why i never figured this out before all you got to do is go to imdb but only look at the episode that you're dealing right. with right so okay yeah, you know, it took me six years to figure that one out. But Elliot introduces him to Margot, who's obviously really sexy, upbeat, and whether Elliot and Margot are a couple we don't really know at this point. But taking him on a tour of the grounds, point out the different kinds of magic and abilities that exist at break bills, that was a pretty cool scene. I I really like that, especially when they get to the two uh telepaths yes, at the yeah. end.
1: That was funny. Uh, funny but again Harry Potter right um and this scene almost completely ripped out from uh mean girls as as well if you've ever seen that movie i but, have um, yeah so you know what i'm talking about yeah, uh, yeah so again this is this is probably i know i'd said it started to turn but this is probably the last time where i was just like i was i was kind of like not appreciating but then again there was when the the two telepaths um told him to go f himself uh i thought that was very funny and said okay all right that's cool right and
0: Margot tells him to quote stay on the path which he of course remembers jane telling him to stay off the path right so the beast can't find him now again over the seven years that we've been podcasting and we've certainly talked about shows and and the metaphors within the show and and clearly the path is a metaphor for something we don't exactly know yet but whether it's not being afraid of being unconventional as a means to an end or whatever it's going to turn out to be well i
1: think like what uh kind of what julia said of challenging this status quo or this establishment that is breakbills, right? I mean, breakbills is an establishment. They select kids to come in. Not everyone gets to go. Julie gets sent packing, right? Right. And so, you know, uh, wh- whoever the girl in his vision is, basically telling him, and she says, "Listen, you're going to be done there in about a year. I think she says a year. I can't remember. But yeah, you know, basically, she said you're not going to go through the whole program. You're going to be out of there before long." why, you know, why are you doing this? You should be out there getting your own experiences and not having to try and figure, learn through, you know, books or from, you know, again, sitting in that classroom with the lecture. The girl's vision would probably say, yeah, how is that helping you? Well, right. Except for and, and, in the place where the beast can find you easily.
0: Oh, right. And like Julia says, I mean, don't you want people that are going to, you know, truly be interested in inquiry uh, no, we just want you to regurgitate what it is we've told yes. you. Yes. You know, so it's
1: yeah. proud tradition of that in American education. We're going to stick with it. Right. So every school, every class has the top student,
0: and apparently Alice Quinn is that student. She's called up. And, and we know right away, and, and certainly this is you know a tool that most teachers use. You don't necessarily call a kid up in front of the class, You know, knowing they're going to fail and make a fool of him or herself. And and of course, Alice is called up and she's light years ahead of the others. But we also learn later that her parents were magicians. But as she tells Quentin, they didn't teach me a damn thing. And we learn that she is at break bills because she wants to find out what happened to her brother who died there 5 years previously and as she said I'm assuming it was horrible cuz nobody will tell me anything.
1: So. Yeah and you know that's one thing and again that's where this really again now it it starts to take a turn from those um young adult literature books uh the third year class is uh, has been almost annihilated. Right, four out of 20 are left. Yeah. Yeah. 40
0: well well alice tells him there is no such thing as safe magic and you know we've talked a little bit about the the limited number of classroom scenes that we've seen but you got to believe at some point they're going to have classes in ethics related to magic and you know as she says you think i came here just because i love magic so much And, and of course that that's not why but Julia's journey, it, it doesn't get a ton of play, but, but, it, but it certainly gets enough that it really gets us interested because she's almost more obsessed with getting into break bills than
1: Quentin is. Oh, well, I, I mean, how messed up is that? Like right when they tell her she didn't make it, she freaking slices herself. Well, Why?
0: See, I, I guess I figure it's – she's cognizant enough to know that they're going to wipe my memory of this instant.: uh, Well, I'm pretty sure they incident. tell her that. Right. And cut my arm. Then when I wake up back in the real world, so to speak, there's evidence of something. Now, the fact right. that she actually remembers a significant number of details – Again, I'm not sure what that tells us about her, but it tells us something. But, uh, you know, that that scar now on her arm lets her know that she is, in fact, onto something. But,
1: you know, I I, go ahead. I just say I think it, it shows us that she is a very extreme person, right? Like, she, you know, we think she's just like the friend and it's safe and she's like this nice girl, but she's got a side to her that's a little dark. Well, yeah,
0: but and then it makes perfect sense that she and Quentin are so close because, look, at the beginning of the podcast, I accused him of being really angsty and dark, and and I believe that's how he came across. But now we see her, the the first incident of failure, and, and as he says, she is not used to failure. Well, what does it do? It sends her into such a funk that her boyfriend has to call Quentin to help get her out of it.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's it's she's upset about failure some though that does seem to bother her a little bit. It's just, you know, she, like Quentin, uh, at one point in their lives, she was really, really into magic. Right? And you know, remember her and, and Quentin, you know, actually just you know, got into magic together. Um so this was something she was always attracted to and now she finds out that this exists. She just can't go back, right well, she says they cut off my
0: life right that's how much it how that's how much it means to her, and the party that is ostensibly for her birthday is doing nothing but but force her to retreat to the bathroom she's staring at herself in the mirror when all of a sudden the metal buttons on her shirt start flying off, and the next thing you know her shirt's removed, her hands up, paired appear to be bound above her head and she's helpless when this guy in a suit comes in and of course she thinks we think he's going to rape her and that's when again the stress the the situation she's in she uses her electricity magic i don't know what else to
1: call it to free herself and it's like damn <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah um, it's kind of funny because I, I you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, right? I you know I have seen it. Yeah. Oh, Okay, because yeah you know, they um yeah you know, they talk about how he's just like after he loses Mjolnir, um, he can only just make little sparks. You know, he's like I'm the god of thunder. All he does is these little sparks, and you know it's kind of like this running joke of oh look at this spark. So that's what I thought when I saw. At first, she just creates like little sparks with her fingers and then she kind of does it like a flame that does actually ends up being uh, pretty impressive
0: yeah and
1: he tells her this was essentially
0: just a test and that i wasn't wrong about you and that did you really think break bills is the only entity tracking magic potential and of course the question she leaves the scene with is well who is we And then, you know, she's following this dude in the gray suit to the rival magic school. And, and I guess I'm wondering at this point, all right, is he the beast? So that kind of takes us back to that scene. We talked about earlier when the guy walks through the mirror, he's got all the moths or whatever buzzing around his head. And we're thinking, all right, he's wearing a gray suit too. I believe, is this the same guy? And the one identifying characteristic we see is that the guy in the classroom with the moths has an extra finger on his hand and it's clear as day. He's got five fingers and a thumb,
1: right? The guy that takes, So he's the guy that killed the Montoya's dad <laughs> and must prepare to die.
0: We come full circle. <laughs> he was only mostly dead. Right. Nice. So my thought is, ah, is this the guy in that scene but every shot that i could see this guy appears to have only four fingers and one thumb so i'm thinking it's not the same guy still i think we know that julia has followed somebody to the dark side we don't know exactly who this guy is yet but
1: yeah i mean it definitely seems to be some kind of rival i don't I mean, yeah, it does seem at this point to be kind of like a dark side, but I also could very much see this group of being kind of like, you know, just like like a parallel group, like not necessarily enemies more than as like rivals and that they have different philosophies of what you should do with magic. And so... Maybe this group, not really bad guys per se, because again, like the guy, he came off really sketchy at first, but then when she's like, you know, you're going to rape me, he's like, oh, no, no, you know, like he's appalled by that idea. So I think if he were like a really bad guy, I don't know if he would be as, seem as like kind of resistant or appalled by the idea of doing physical violence to her.
0: Okay, I really like your assessment that it's simply a different perspective on how to learn and control magic that more competitors than antagonists. So, yeah, I like that. But yeah, cool. Um, Obviously, one of the things that we don't know yet, but hopefully we'll get more information, how Fillory is connected to the real world and and what the role here is going to be. But you know, again, I I love Julia and Q's relationship. They're both driven toward the same goal, but both exhibit a sense of desperation. You know, he says, "I, I I'm terrified of getting kicked out of here because this is really what I've wanted my whole life. I just didn't know it existed." And and she's right. kind of the same way, except I think to the to a, a larger degree because she was ready. To put childish things
1: behind and move into the adult world because she didn't think she, there was any other choice right well at, at that time Quentin doesn't either, but you know maybe that's why she failed the test, you know, good point because yeah. she had in her mind had moved on and seen magic as a childish thing,
0: yeah, this test was stupid,
1: right, exactly she says the words, but yeah, That was certainly... Uh... all right. Anything else that, that we haven't talked about? Well, the one thing I would like to mention, because one of my absolute favorite songs was in the beginning, uh, Time to Pretend by MGMT, was the, the song in the beginning. And you probably recognize the song, even if you didn't know the the words itself or, or who sang it or whatever. Okay. I, if I don't remember the song. All right, so it's hard to do, but it's a big synth pop song from... How long ago was that? I'm thinking like maybe 2010, maybe tw- maybe 2008, something around there. But big hit by MGMT. Cool. All right. Awesome Anything song. Um, oh, that uh so Quentin is talking about um, a movie, and he says, oh, the Danish version is much better. It's much darker. Uh, at first, I thought they might have been talking about The Vanishing, but then I remembered The Vanishing is a Dutch movie or Belgian movie. I can't remember which one. So um, but um, I was, of course, I'm too lazy to actually go looking up what actual movie he he was um, referring to at the party. Yeah.
2: I think that's all I got.
0: Okay. Well, why don't we hear what Fred has to say about episode one, season one of the magicians, and then we'll be right back.
2: Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the magicians season one, episode one. First off, last week was a very, very nice experience uh, being on the podcast with you for my Patreon choice, Hamlet Grove, Season 1, Episode 2. And Dave, did you already watch Episode 3? Well, I started watching Episode 3 again, although I saw that already two times. And will follow up from Episode 2 instead of from Episode 8, where I actually was. I learned a lot especially also about podcasting and about how this technically goes and I learned something about my own devices and software because I had some problems there but you solved them Dave. Before recording I was a little afraid we would talk too much at the same time but I think when I listened back to the podcast it became very nice so good for us. Another podcaster who I told this thrilling experience said, You may get the buck. It happened to us all. Going from feedback giver to audio feedback giver to guest on a podcast to hosting your own podcast. Well, I don't know yet. Okay, about the magicians. First impression. I got a very high Harry Potter kind of feeling from it with a school like Hogwarts and the teachers and... How the students are recruited. Although the school building of bills is uh, a little less impressive than Hogwarts. With big towers and even bell towers. Seems to be Sunday 10 o'clock again. And it seems that the pastor of the church that's across the street from me also knew that this night we went to daylight savings time. So difference with you is six hours again instead of five. In the beginning of the episode, so the first scene I thought, what the heck, this Dean Fogg is coming out of this door, sits down on this bench and opens his newspaper, and then this other professor comes and he says, you're late, and he was sitting there for five seconds. So who's late? (laughs) So that gave quite an impression immediately about him. And of course, a Judas quote Don't you want students that make actual inquiries instead of just accepting like sheep? Is uh, saying a lot for teachers like you and I. Probably very good, but sometimes a little bit too much, even at university. I really have to get into this uh, series. uh, The bug didn't bite me yet, but probably it will. If I have to estimate if it will, it, it has a big chance of doing so. I liked Harry Potter anyhow. So, I don't have many thoughts at this moment. I think I have to watch more episodes to really get it. I wonder if the relationship between Quentin and Julia, or as he calls her Jules, is just a buddy-like friendship relationship or it will become more. So, we're going into shipping already in the first episode. And... I like the character of Alice, and I wonder how that will evolve. I always have a little extra feeling for, well, let's say the nerd of a series, like Fitz and Simmons in The Agents of Shields. And it was funny, of course, that William Penny is Quentin's roommate, so opposite those two, and of course they did that on purpose, but it's nice, And I think the series will have an eye for detail. As, for instance, in The Librarian. So I I get a Librarian's Harry Potter mixed feeling from this first episode. They do have eye for detail. So, for instance, in the sex scene between William and Katie, uh, when they're floating around, you have a keychain in the foreground, which proves this kind of detail. Funny detail in this case. So, just first thoughts not very deep, although I have the idea that the guy that took Julia is a kind of alternative magician, so perhaps from the the dark side of the force. We will see how this will involve. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. All
0: right, well, Fred, look, we're just delighted that you had such a good time and and uh yeah so uh, outside of that i I don't know what else to say glad I was able to help you yeah yeah uh, Fred and I worked on some technical issues after we recorded and and got th- some things squared away and yeah it's easy to get the podcasting bug and and uh Fred uh, I think you'd be great at it and uh, it's i I would say Fred it's a big commitment but this is a guy that's sent us i don't know what are we up 67 straight yeah. feedbacks and that's just to our podcast i know he sends to several others as well so i think fred understands the commitment part of it sure um you know like you he, he brings up the harry potter feel to it the the recruitment of of uh students and I, you know i i guess i don't have as big a background in harry potter i I mean i've only read the first book i've only seen the first movie so while i certainly understood that you know there were similarities i didn't know necessarily how deep they ran which i I think you probably picked up on more than than i did but
1: uh yeah you know like i I mean i kind of give you a rundown of them before you know like uncertain parentage uh know something Feels like there's something special about him, but really he's an outcast. Finally finds this special place that accepts him, and where he is not just a part of it, but he is exceptional in some way, um, or he is you know sought after and, and everything. Uh, and then you get to the, it's a school, and there's all these different types of cliques in the school and everything. So I, I mean, anyway, I, you know that that bit to me, as I said, seemed you know a little bit too too much borrowed from rowling and from c.s lewis but uh but there were other merits as well to it so i'm not too hung up on it i'm not gonna keep bringing it up
0: okay now he mentions the julia and quentin relationship and whether they're more than just buddies And, and, and and of course we only know the one episode and they are they're very close friends I think you maybe think there's more subtext than I do, but I'm not going to deny that it's there for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's
1: necessarily subtext right now. I think they're just maybe kind of setting up for a potential, you know, like you're a writer. So you say, okay, well, I'll have, I'll have her snuggle up next to Quentin in bed so that if like two or three seasons down the road, the plot takes us to a place. We want these two to get together. We'll have already set it up. So it doesn't seem like it's coming from out of the left field.
0: Right now, the other couple, uh, Katie and and I don't think they say her name in the episode, so that's something I, I looked on IMDb for. It's spelled K A D Y, and Penny. They're the ones having the floating sex. So whether they're just uh, very friendly, I'm not going to use the uh, current vernacular for what they apparently <laughs> are, but uh, uh, or whether they're in a true relationship, we don't know that yet. But he also brings up Alice and, and that he loves the nerds. And and the thing I love about Alice, yes, her nerdiness. Uh, I love the glasses. I love the fact that she is just so defiant about being left alone to do her thing, which we now know what her thing really is, You know, right. find out what happened to her brother. That whereas Quentin is alone and angry, as Dean Fogg tells him, she wants to be alone. She makes a point of isolating herself or doing things that will push people away, and I love that about her at this point.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. Um, but you know, there's also like she, whereas she seems like to be the Hermione character and the you know the the super smart one and the best student, and of course we don't know for sure, but it at least seems like the spell that she had them cast allowed this you know bug guy to get into the school right
0: exactly and you know with the little smiley face which he he drew on the mirror right uh, and then uh back in the classroom as well so uh with the eyeballs which was pretty cool yeah but but yeah and and you know one of fred's last points it, is the identity of the guy that has now taken Julia under his wing at the rival school. If that's in fact what, what this is. And as we said, it doesn't appear that it's the same guy that came through the mirror. I, I really don't think it is, but who is he? Who's the guy in the mirror? They, they've really done a nice job of setting up a lot of questions. I guess we'll uh, hopefully get some answers. Yeah, at least a few keep us going in the next sure. episode. But uh, Fred, thank you for the feedback. You know, I, I know you say that you're not quite all in on the magicians, but I, we, I think we know how you feel. I mean, do you, do you have a letter grade?
1: Um, I I think I gave it like a B plus.
0: Okay, I was going to B. Um, yeah,
1: I, I I could justify that a B. I I think the uh, like I said, uh, despite well, I mean, I've, I've said it a couple times, so, you know, just but I think they that last scene was enough of a bang that to, to generate some interest going into the next episode that uh probably came out of it, you know, that last scene probably bumped my grade up uh, a mark, you know, a notch, okay. okay. And and generally speaking,
0: I like the characters, I, I like the attitude that that most of them have so yeah I, I might end up changing mine to a b plus so we'll at this point b b plus but it, it's difficult because i can never get out of my head the episode that i really feel is the gold standard for pilot episodes and that's the that's alias which i mean it's a different genre for sure but yeah. huh, anyway so yeah. all right uh, anything else um uh, no i think that's it all right so uh yeah this is a lot of fun i'm certainly looking forward to seeing where the magicians takes us uh again i i've had people tell me as i'm sure you've heard as well oh season one's not the best season well okay fine but
1: it's yeah it's all little- i got was really um i was I was in michael's office when apparently he read you outed me i guess on uh on uh facebook that i'd never I haven't seen any of the magicians he just looked at me it's like you've never seen the magicians <laughs> like that. Oh. he's a little judgmental about it. but yeah, still, yeah it was uh you know it was just funny i i went into my whole lame explanation as to uh why i haven't been able to watch the magicians and everything so um you know based on on uh, michael's reaction there i think that the show must be very very good so i'm looking forward to uh watching the rest of it cool
0: So, all right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. And we want to thank you guys for joining us with this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Love to hear what you think about Haunting of Hill House, Travelers, of course, The Magicians now, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Anybody can put anybody into the group emails go to rewatch at gmail.com voicemails can go via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week to continue our discussion of the magicians with season one episode two titled the source of magic but until then
1: so you know I went to uh, Canisius College up in Buffalo New York and I just remember you know, I was thinking to myself the first time I walked on campus I was like I can't just go to Yale if I know this place exists